This episode is sponsored by By Heart. Babies need to eat. And whether you breastfeed or bottle feed, use formula, combine all of the above, you need options. We wanted to let you know about By Heart Baby Formula. By Heart has a patented protein blend that gets the closest to breast milk. It includes two of the most abundant proteins in breast milk. And Byheart actually ran a clinical trial comparing their formula to a leading infant formula and proved that babies on Byheart have softer poops, less spit up, and easier digestion. Byheart is also the only U.S.-made infant formula to use organic, grass-fed whole milk. So if you need baby formula for your baby, consider Byheart. New customers can get 10% off your first order by using code ONBOYS at byheart.com. That's B-Y-H-E-A-R-T dot com slash podcast. And it is 10% off your first order. Byheart.com slash podcast. This is a limited time offer and additional terms and conditions may apply. Today's show is brought to you by Strike Club, a brand new line of acne-fighting skincare products for guys. Developed over the course of two years by a pediatric dermatologist, Strike Club products are simple to use. Your son can use the everywhere wash in the shower to clear acne and inflammation in one easy step. Try Strike Club today. Use the discount code ONBOYS to save 10%. Go to strikeclub.com to place your first order. That's S-T-R-Y-K-E club.com and use ONBOYS as your discount code. Hello and welcome to ONBOYS, real talk about parenting, teaching, and reaching tomorrow's men the podcast that explores and explains boy behavior. We're your co-hosts, Jennifer L.W. Fink and Janet Allison. Join us as we discuss some of the most compelling issues facing boys today. Our goal is to equip you with the information and support you need to help today's boys grow into healthy, happy men. Is honesty the best policy? Not necessarily, says today's guest, Judy Kettler. She is author of a new book, Would I Lie to You? The Amazing Power of Being Honest in a World That Lies. Why honesty now? Because it feels like we live in a really dishonest world right now. So kind of like the timely aspect of it, whether or not it is more dishonest or we're just more aware because there's a lot more coming at us now social media, the 24-7 news cycle, you know, fake news, I mean, all that. So whether, whether or not it's more dishonest or we're just like more connected, I, I, don't, I don't know the answer to that. The other is because it's always been a topic that's been fascinating to me ever since I was little because I would get really frustrated when I felt like people were lying to me or being hypocritical. But at the other end of that was my own guilt about lies that I was telling, not like big lies or not stealing or shoplifting, but things like 
exaggerating or telling the girls in my gymnastics team that I had a boyfriend when really I did not have a boyfriend because I was terribly shy and terrified of boys. And, you know, like these things that I would say to make myself feel better. It was just this tug of war that I felt my whole life that frustration with the dishonesty I see and then that inner kind of thing like, yeah, but I know that I'm dishonest too. Well, it's your moral compass. Yeah. And the moral compass that, you know, we hear from parents all the time. My son is lying. How can he just mm-hmm. look at me and lie? And of course, as parents, we're wanting to develop their moral compass. And mm-hmm. we think that we're falling apart on that. But I think that you're here to tell us that lying is a natural part of development. Yes. Would that be true? There are a lot of different ways to look at it. I mean, one is that we lie way more than we think we do. There's lots and lots of research about this. We're not even aware of the lies we tell. And children observe us doing this. So an example I give is, you know, I was at Party City with my daughter and Party City is obsessed with getting your email address, right? And the cashier was like, can I have your email address? And I said, oh, I don't have one. Yeah, right, right. Judy. And my daughter looked at me, you know, which she wasn't going to say anything to her credit. And in that moment, I was like, what a silly little lie to tell. Of course, I have an email. Of course, this person knows I have an email. Like, why not just say, I don't want to give it to you right now. But, but it's because we so often fear being direct or the awkward conversation or that we're going to come up as a jerk or like all these different things. And so we just use lies to kind of swap things out of our way. Our children see that and they learn to do that. So there's, you know, Robert Feldman, who I, he wrote a book about um, lying. He said that we think that children like grow out of lying, but in reality, they grow into it. So little kids are not great liars. Middle schoolers are pretty good. High school and college students are amazing. You know, I read that in the book and it just jumped out at me. Mm-hmm. We want our kids to grow out of lying mm-hmm. and actually we grow into they lying. They grow into it. They and get this, better. Yeah. This book has really made me rethink honesty and what we call honesty because what you're getting at in here is that this whole thing's it's not as black and white as mm-hmm. we like to think. It's not right. tell the truth or you're not a good person. Right. There's so many shades of gray. I felt like when I was writing the book, I was kind of at cross purposes sometimes because I was saying like, hey, we need to pay attention to our honesty and like work on being more honest. And then three sentences later, I'd be talking about kind lies are like, there's a lot of research about pro-social lying that shows that lying is the more moral option sometimes. Define pro-social lying. These are like the lies that you tell kind of to spare somebody to right. build a relationship. Right. So they're not the same thing as white lies. So people who study pro-social lying always make this distinction because white lies can sometimes be self-interested lies, whereas pro-social lies are benevolent lies or lies of kindness or lies for the benefit of someone else. So the most kind of extreme example would be Um, German citizens who hid Jewish people in their cellars during the Holocaust, right? Soldiers came to the door and they lied and said, no, of course we're not hiding any Jewish people, you know? So lying to save someone's life, like that is probably the most extreme example of this. A much more benign example would be what I talk about in the book when I was swimming 
lapse and this older gentleman suddenly was in my lane. You know, when you share a lane with someone, you need to like get eye contact with them and make sure they understand you're going to get into their lane because you're going to run into them otherwise. So when I was done swimming, I said, sir, you know, etiquette is you really need to make sure you make eye contact with the swimmer, make sure they understand you're going to join their lane. And he was so embarrassed. I felt so bad for him. And I said, oh, you know what? Don't worry. I did the same thing when I first started swimming. Of course I didn't. I didn't like that moment where he just felt bad. And I tend to use pro-social lies to build empathy because I, I don't like to see people feeling stupid, you know, so much more benign example. So part of our kids getting better at lying as they get older and hopefully developing a moral compass at mm-hmm. the same time, right, Janet, is helping them learn when it's okay to lie and when it's not a good idea to lie? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so we've had tons of conversations now about this. And the thing is, kids are dealing with this all the time, as we did when we were little. But now they have an added layer because they're also dealing with social media. My son is, he's almost 12 now. He's on social media. And and so they have this other layer now that it isn't just about what's happening on the playground. It's also now what's happening in their digital life. So there's Mm -hmm. way more decisions to make now about honesty and how do you represent yourself digitally? And how do you respond if someone posts something and you don't like it? Should you say you don't like it? Or should you just not say anything at all? Or, you know, I mean, all these, all these things. So it's, they have way more, I think, dilemmas than we had growing up. And, and so we have just now tons and tons of conversations now about the decisions that we make about truth telling um, that I don't think we would, I know we wouldn't have had if I hadn't written this book because I wouldn't have been thinking about it myself, mm-hmm. probably. I'm curious about if you can uh, line out for us the um, brain development. We're talking about, you know, our kids grow into being better liars, but there's a there's the cognitive development that goes along with that idea of being able to step out of the what's real, what's true, mm-hmm. and into uh, making something up. And mm-hmm. I think what parents really witness is this, like you absolutely know that it's a lie and you, how can you be standing there saying that you <laughs> do that when there is the broken glass on the floor? Right. <laughs> right. I looked into a lot of the research on children and lying. And so there was one study that showed that children don't have trouble distinguishing what's true and, and what's a lie. You know, they, they, they understand that. But the older ch- a child was, the more reluctant they were to tattletale. Like basically the more shades of gray they could see. The older mm-hmm. they got, the more shades of gray that they could see versus the younger kids who were like, no, lying is wrong. You shouldn't lie. Even if you tried to talk to them about things, they were just like, no, it's wrong. Because it's just, this is what they've been told. And cognitively, it's what they can understand. So you develop those shades of gray, the older you, you get. And in terms of children who are just kind of blatantly lying, like if we think about kind of, you know, when children start to learn that magic isn't real, I mean, I think it, it corresponds with that. I've observed in my own kid, by 10, you pretty much know the deal. Like magic's not real. That said, my oldest son was 11 when his uncles 
talked him into that he could fly. He just ran fast enough and flapped his arms hard enough. They talked him into this and he believed it. And did he did he, he really believe yeah, it? Yeah, he did. We, like, talked, we talked about it later. And it was okay. about that time. He's my oldest. So it was mm-hmm. he was into Harry Potter at this point in his life. Yeah. And it was about when part of him was really kind of waiting. Like maybe he was going to get an owl for his birthday with his <laughs> right. invitation to right. Hogwarts. <laughs> and like magic ended very right. quickly that day for my son. Aww. You know, boys deserve a simple, effective skincare regimen that's designed just for them. Strike Club's body and face wash is developed by a pediatric dermatologist and a group of moms who know what boys need. Strike Club body wash and face wash are skin clearing, non-drying, and one-step simple. Save 10% when you use the discount code ONBOYS at strikeclub.com. That's S-T-R-Y-K-E club.com. And use that discount code. Now back to our show. One of the things that you wrote in your book was to engage at the level of reality that they're looking for. Mm -hmm. Right. And you were writing specifically about these myths or lies that we tell Mm -hmm. our children, Santa, Mm -hmm. the tooth fairy, the Easter Mm -hmm. bunny, you know, these cultural things. And then you make the point that you just said, you know, you can have magic in your world mm-hmm. and be a truthful person. They, they can exist in these separate things. Mm-hmm. But when your kid starts asking questions, figure out where their head is at. Mm-hmm. Your son was ready for facts. Mm-hmm. And so you engaged at that level of reality. And frankly, I think that tip, engage at the level of reality they're looking for, it's a great tip to keep in mind for all of the tough questions, sex, drugs, yeah. yes. All the tough, tough questions. I want to <laughs> yeah. go back to yeah. that cognitive piece, Janet, yeah. about the cognitive development and lying, because I did an article on this a few years ago. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that it pointed out was that the ability to lie represents a pretty tremendous cognitive leap. Mm-hmm. Because in order to successfully tell a lie, you need to be able to hold like multiple facts and truths truths and quotes in your head at the same time. So to tell a lie as the child, you know, there's okay. Yeah. I was running around and mom told me not to, and I knocked over this thing and it's broken. You know that that's what really happened, but you come up with this other story. And maybe in this story, it was that the dog came in (laughs) and the dog knocked it over. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's what happened. And so Mm -hmm. you have to hold all of that in your head. Kids, you might not have a dog and maybe that's Mm -hmm. where this is all going to fall apart. (laughs) But the very fact that your kid is starting to tell lies shows that there's some pretty significant cognitive development going on. And the research actually shows that really bright kids tend to lie, tell their first lies sooner than other Mm -hmm. kids because they have that ability to manipulate facts in their head Mm -hmm. in that way. Yeah. Our our listeners can start to celebrate their children (laughs) holding multiple facts, quote unquote. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Janet, as a parent, as somebody who works with parents, we get the question all the time. 
you know, what to do. My 12 year old is lying to me. I know it's a lie. I know that he's not doing his homework. I know that he didn't put away his uniform because there it is on the floor. What do I do about that? Yeah. It's help parents. It's the lying and the hiding. We had a question in our, in our Facebook group from, uh, from Sandra actually about (laughs) tips to get your 12 year old son from lying and hiding what he's doing when you know he knows better. And that's all the things that we're talking about. Yeah. It's the pro-social lying. Oh, I'm just going to tell my mom that I did my homework because I don't want to deal with the hassle and they don't realize that they're digging a hole even deeper mm-hmm. by saying that. And, and sometimes, uh, to elaborate on that, pro-social lying, benevolent lying for the benefit of the other person Sometimes, because they're immature, I think that they think that they're doing the nice thing by telling us what we want to hear. Mm. Like, yes, you know, mom doesn't need to worry about this. I got it. Of course, they Mm. may not got it, but in that moment, they thought it would be okay. And part of that too is, especially for our boys, you know, they're, they just want to handle what's in the moment, like right in front yeah. of them. Mm-hmm. I just got to get mom off my back or I, I just have to deal with this situation. And, and they're not standing there thinking about all the ramifications that we are as the parent when our son is lying to us about doing his homework because we're already, we've already leapfrogged ahead to, oh my gosh, he's not going to get into college because mm-hmm. he's mm-hmm. failed high school because... <laughs> Uh, he's in sixth grade and that's what's going to happen. Right. And he's going to be in prison because he's going <laughs> to lie to somebody exactly. and he's going to steal something. I mean, right. right. what we do. Well, you know, one thing I would say, and this is going to sound counterintuitive, is tell them that they can call you out when they see you lying. Because I loved that in your book. Yeah. Make it okay it, for kids to point out yeah. your fibs. Right. And, and, but, you know, talk to them, say, listen, you can, if you see me lying, you can call me out now, please don't do it in front of, you know, like in front of someone that's going to embarrass me, like wait till we get home or in the car or whatever. But that is a way to start like facilitating the conversation because kids love to tell you when you've done something wrong. First oh, of all, yeah. Right. At least mine do my son, especially. So it's just a good way to open up that conversation, like if you show, and there's such power in saying, I'll start with me. And that's really what the, the book is about mm-hmm. saying, we live in a dishonest world and let me start with me. Right. And I think that applies to parenting too, not in all situations, but I think it could be a strategy. If you know that your kid is telling these fibs, whether they're little fibs or big fibs, whatever, just don't focus on that. Focus instead on like, okay, let's, let's dissect the fibs that I'm telling. Help me dissect mm. the fibs that I'm telling. So much about what parenting is, isn't it? Looking mm-hmm. at ourselves mm-hmm. and that vulnerability, Judy, is you know to be willing to say to your child and age appropriately, of course. And I mean, it feels like this is ideal to start when they're seven or eight because they do have the more ability to grasp that. I don't think a four or five year old would be able to reflect that to you. But you know, if you start that when they're seven or eight and have those conversations, then when they are 11, 12, 13, you've got a whole different foundation to talk Mm -hmm. about honesty, dishonesty, dishonesty, Mm -hmm. morality. And maybe you, you know, together you've uh, changed your approach. 
in how you relate to each other and recognizing all those fibs. I love, you know, there is that like, there's fibs, there's little white lies, there's mm-hmm. lying, you know, these different levels <laughs> to be able to yeah. talk about that and, yeah. and recognize, oh, this one's really serious. Mm-hmm. This one we're doing, you know, like you did in the, in the party store of, mm-hmm. oh, I just don't want to hassle with this mm-hmm. right now. Come you know, as somebody who is deep into parenting teens at this point, to answer Sandra's question a little bit more, I think the other angle you have to come at it from is, why is he lying? Mm. And I don't mean go up to your son and ask, why are you lying to me, son? That probably is not who you are. (laughs) (laughs) Right? But the truth of the matter is, usually teenagers, humans, but we're specifically talking about teens here, They usually lie because there is something that they want or they want to do and we're getting in the way of that somehow. Maybe there's a rule that says they need to get X done before they can do Y. They need to get their homework done and walk the dog before they can play Fortnite. So you say to your kid, either in person or via text, hey, did you get your homework done? Did you walk the dog? And they say yes. Why? Because they want to play Fortnite. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying to take away your expectations, right? You can still have expectations and guidelines for your kids. Those are healthy. But really thinking yourself and um, with your, your partner, your child's other parent, if there's one involved, about how you can facilitate the things that your kid wants to do. Maybe you have put up some obstacles that don't need to be there. I like cute clothes. I like having stylish outfits, and I hate shopping. Armoire makes getting dressed easier. Armoire is a clothing rental membership option. And Janet and I recently have both tried it out, and you guys, it is so much fun. You go to their website, you get to take a little quick style quiz, takes five minutes, and then you get presented a list of beautiful clothing, pictures, wonderful clothes that you can pick out and get delivered to your house for you to try and wear in the comfort of your own home without going out and determine what looks cute, put together outfits without investing a ton of money. Right now, our listeners can give Armoire a try and get up to 50% off your first month. That is up to $125 off. Just visit armoire.style slash envoys. That's armoire.style, A-R-M-O-I-R-E, dot style slash envoys to get 50% off your first month and never have to worry about what to wear again. Try armoire today. One of the most challenging things about being a woman at midlife is realizing how little people understand about perimenopause and menopause, Janet. I just had a conversation with my sister about that this weekend. She is 10 years younger than me, so I'm 51, she's 41, and she went to ask her healthcare provider, hey, can you provide me some information? And she got information, but she was frustrated by how incomplete it seems, how little we know, and how For way too many people, the answer seems to be, yep, that's the way it is. Deal with it. Mm -hmm. Deal with it. 
And not only are our mamas out there having to deal with perimenopause, likely at this age, but many of our moms are dealing with their sons entering or in puberty, which is kind of nature's irony, which is, oof. Cruel joke, Janet. Cruel joke. Cruel joke. Thankfully, thankfully, increasingly, there are those who are recognizing that women need and deserve competent care and treatment for perimenopause and menopausal symptoms. And we know that can still be harder to access than it should be, which is why we have partnered with Winona. Winona helps women who are dealing with menopause or perimenopause. Winona is a collection of OBGYN health professionals who believe that your symptoms are important, real, and deserve to be taken seriously. Telehealth, you can access care from your home when it is convenient for you. Visit buywinona.com today to start your free visit with free U.S. shipping and the ability to pause or cancel at any time. Your path to wellness has zero obligations. Use the code ONBOYS at buywinona.com for 25% off your first order. That's B-Y-W-I-N-O-N-A dot com slash onboys. Winona, menopause care made easy. You know, Judy, for instance, if you put a whole lot of restrictions on Max's trampoline jumping and what he can, which tricks he can try and which tricks he can't try, he'd lie to you about some of it because he's so motivated to do it. Yeah. And that was a big thing that I realized specifically with that is just stop trying to restrict and because he's going to, he's going to do it and he's probably going to do it behind my back, which is more dangerous. So if you can look at when do I really need my kid to follow these rules or guidelines and why And have a straight up conversation with your child about that. What do you think, Janet? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And and also to look at, oh, I want to play Fortnite, but then also to look at this discomfort that he might, he might be feeling ashamed. We've talked about shame a lot on this podcast and he might be embarrassed. So he's going to lie. And it's all looking at the underlying cause. It's it, we can try to confront the lie head on and say, you know, you're lying to me and why, but it is the more finesse and the nuance to be able to go underneath and really look at what's going on here. And is Mm -hmm. he embarrassed about something? Is he ashamed about something? Or does he want something that, you know, there's other things in his way? Shame is a topic you write mm -hmm. about, Judy. You know, you write about how we often lie to mm-hmm. others and even to ourselves, we're not fully truthful because we're trying to keep distance between mm-hmm. what we think of ourselves and something uncomfortable. I just want to go back to, to one thing, but which is related to this is, you know, when you in, engage with your, with your kids like that, trying to understand that root cause, it also teaches them to be able to do that in their friendships because so the one thing that I know with Max, he used to have this friend, they moved away. So he's, he doesn't see this boy as much, but this boy, he was such a sweet kid, but he was constantly telling these lies. And I mean, they were really obvious lies. Like my mom is actually a doctor. 
I mean, she's, she's not, you know, I mean, these things that were like, I mean, I I know that isn't true or I, you know, I did this or I went here and my dad's taking me here and like all these fibs and exaggerations and it would make Max so mad. And I would say, you know what, Max, I understand because I I don't like that either, but there's a reason why he's doing that. Like we do, we, we don't do anything without a reason. Right. And so Mm -hmm. he was the oldest of like four kids, didn't have a ton of money he had a lot of responsibility. Like he was babysitting. I mean, he really, he was a very responsible kid. And I said, maybe these little fibs he tells are just like a little escape from that for a while because he's, he's Mm. got lots of responsibility. He's got, you know, and whether or not Max heard it or was even paying attention, I don't know. But like, I wanted him to start thinking about instead of just going right to judging and whatever and anger like think about like why is this person behaving this way and so and I I mean I do the same thing with with my daughter too like because we have a lot of conversations about this there's a girl at school that's kind of a bully and I'm well I want Georgia to stand up for herself I also kind of want her to understand like this girl's doing this because she feels really insecure. Yeah. You know? And so I think that that's an important, like the, the way we are with our kids around honesty, the conversations that we have, they help us as parents, they help our relationship with our child, but they also teach them how to do that as they go out into the world with their nice. friends yeah. and relationships. So one of the things that I found out, um, I talked to this really brilliant evolutionary psychologist, um, and he talked all about how shame is, it's hardwired in really for evolutionary reasons, because, you know, to evolve as humans, we had to be able to trust each other. We had to be able to form groups and like if all these other mechanisms didn't work to kind of form trust, shame was like the fail safe of like, if you don't, if you tell a lie, if you um, don't cooperate, you feel shame and you don't like yourself. It's basically, it's hardwired in for evolutionary reasons, which I find comforting because if all else fails, all these other mechanisms fail, you know, there's like the simple Machiavellian mechanism. Like I don't want to do it because I might get caught. And then there's more complicated ones. But if all those fail, shame is kind of like that last thing that, you know, you're going to feel really, really, really bad if you do this. So in that way, it, it serves, it serves a role, but it can take over is the, the, the problem, right? It can kind of take over and cloud everything else. Well, and we want it to be the intrinsic, I mean, we don't want our children to feel shame, but right. the management of the inner world, we as parents, as other human beings don't want to be shaming someone else, but it is, I can see that inner measure of, Ooh, I don't want to do this because I will feel ashamed of it rather than as parents, well, let's shame our kids and that will keep them in line. Right. Right. No, right. no listeners. We're not right, saying right. that. No, right. I'm not saying that at all. It's more to understand your own shame, like to understand that it's, it, it's, universal to kind of who we are as humans. Mm-hmm. And it's yeah. it's also universal for humans, us as the parents and our children, to try and distance ourselves from that feeling when it comes mm-hmm. up inside. And sometimes we use lies to do that. Mm-hmm. Yes. You write about in your book how often people, adults and children, will avoid telling the truth, being honest, 
because we're afraid of the consequences. We are afraid that it's going to be painful and horrible and really, really, really uncomfortable. So you know what? I'm just going to keep this mm-hmm. discomfort inside me because that's got to be better than right. the risk of saying it. And I'm not going to go into the details, but one of the things that you found both through your research and in your life is that often when you take that chance to be vulnerable, you used that word before, mm-hmm. take the chance to be vulnerable and put out the honesty. Huh. That's not as bad as I thought it was going to be. And yeah. actually I feel kind of better, lighter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's there's really interesting research that says that we mispredict the consequences of honesty. So they did a study where they had people, you know, they had like a control group and and one group they had focus, they said, you know, we just want you to be honest for three days in all of your interactions. And they asked the people, how do you, how do you think this is going to make you feel? And the people were like, terrible. It's going to be awful. It's going to ruin all my relationships. It's going to be the worst thing ever. And then at the end of the three days, they asked those people how it was. And it was not any of those things. It was not nearly as bad. Like it did not ruin their relationships. It was uncomfortable sometimes, but it led to more connection. In the study, they have all these wonderful little uh, anecdotes that people talked about. Like for the first time ever, I was able to be honest with my roommate. And it led to this great conversation that I don't know why we didn't have sooner because things are so much better now. You know, it wound up opening up doors. It was very liberating for people, but they absolutely predicted that it would be terrible. So we do, we mispredict all the time. I find this over and over again, like someone will I'll be in a situation and I'll have that panic of like, what do I do? How do I respond? Someone has asked something of me that I don't want to do, or I don't have time to do, or they ask me what I think of something or any of these situations. And I will have that moment of panic. What am I going to do? It's going to be terrible. I can't. And then I'll think, just, just tell the, just tell the truth. And it's so much easier. Like once I just do it, it's so much easier better and easier. It strikes me that this is a conversation that we can have, especially with older kids, teenagers, tell them about that study and even verbalize through a, for instance, like that, Judy, you know, where you're, you were in this circumstance, maybe your kids with you, the cashier asks for your email Mm -hmm. and you have that moment of panic talking through that with them later. Because so often, even when we as adults do this inner work and decide to make changes, we don't talk through those steps. If we talk Mm -hmm. through it, we can help our children come along on that journey. Maybe, maybe there's no guarantees here. Right, Janet? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So as we, as we wind up here, I want to make sure that we are really clear with our listeners about, because I'm going back to Sandra's question, you know, what do I do with my 12 year old who's lying and, and yes, there's all this foundational work that we can do with them, but what do you do when you have just caught your son in a bold-faced lie and you can you know tell him he's lying and shame him because he has lied and take time to look underneath why he's lied but what do you do with that parent what do you do as that parent in that moment of you're lying how would you suggest a in the moment mm. approach. Oh, I have a suggestion. Yeah. Wait. Okay, good, good. How about we 
each give one answer to that because I have a feeling we may give slightly different answers and it further illustrates the point that there's not one right answer to this question. Okay. Okay. Who's going first? You guys go first. I still have to think about it. (laughs) Okay, Jen, you ask the question. You go first. All right. My suggestion in that moment, go take a break. So it's okay to call him out on it. And it's okay. Listen, I know that that's not the case. I can see, you know, whatever, describe what you're seeing. I need to take a break and figure out how to handle this. Now, I'm a lot better at saying that as we're sitting here calmly on the podcast, but I know myself that when I tend to just dive forward in those moments, I'm reacting based on emotion and fear, and I'm not thinking straight. So my suggestion would be to immediately call them out, take a break. How about you, Janet? You stole mine. (laughs) (laughs) We've been doing this a long time, listeners. Our minds have melded. Yes, they have. It's a scary thought, but they have. (laughs) Absolutely. Just, you know, time out. Got to pause here. I'm seeing a couple different sides of this. Mm -hmm. I need to think about it. Let's reconvene and go take a break. Step out of it. If If it's really in your face that much, like stop. I would ag- agree because I, like, I'm just trying to put myself in that situation and I know what I would go to, which is the absolute wrong thing is to somehow try to shame and be like, really, why don't I take a video of you saying this and send it to your teacher? I mean, you know, like all these ridiculous things that like in the moment you're like, oh, so um, I think that taking a break is good advice. I mean, I, that's, that's better than anything I could really say. Um, and just saying, let's, let's reconvene. Let's talk about this in 20 minutes or a half an hour. A good suggestion for some, some kids might do this is I would say like, I want you to go write down, write down exactly what happened, write down your version of exactly what happened. Because I do think there's something about writing something down that makes you jump out of like the level of the storytelling in your head. And when you actually see it on paper, I think a child might be able to recognize the ridiculousness of what they're saying a little bit. But again, that said, it would, it would be hard for me probably to get Max to do that. Mm -hmm. Um, We have a couple themes that seem to keep coming up in our episodes, Janet, and three of them that occurred to me today, compassion for ourselves, for our children, mm -hmm. connection, This is all about connecting with ourselves, connecting with our children, and shades of gray. It's not truth versus untruth. There is a lot in between there, and depending on the circumstances, depending on your values, depending on all these things, I wish that we could give our listeners three easy steps to ensure you're going to have an honest child. Can't do it. Is this is hard, complex work. So the best we can do is say, we are all in this together. Judy, I know you're right in it too. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about it. Let's reflect. Let's support one another as we find our way through and create this healthy, connected, compassionate reality for our children. Brilliantly said, Jen. Yes. Thank I... you so much for being with us today, Judy. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. And again, your book title is? It's called Would I Lie to You? The Amazing Power of Being Honest in a World that Lies.
And where can people find you? My website, uh, which is judykettler.com. Congratulations on your book. We wish you the best in process of promoting and getting this valuable information out into the world. Thank you so much. Thank you guys so much. Thanks for joining us. We are Jennifer L.W. Fink and Janet Allison, and we are here to support you in parenting and teaching tomorrow's men. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.